Welcome to God's Playbook with your host, Father Rico Passero. Let's play ball. Welcome back to God's Playbook, friends. Today we're going to study Eucharistic Prayer 3, the third of the four main options for Mass. This Eucharistic prayer, I would suggest, is the one that you might hear the most. This is to be used at Sunday Masses, and most priests use this unless it's a holy day of obligation or a very special day like Easter Sunday or Christmas, etc., where Roman Canon or Eucharistic Prayer 1 is used. So Eucharistic Prayer 3 follows the same format as the first two do. It's a little bit longer than Eucharistic Prayer 2 and a little bit shorter than Eucharistic Prayer 1. But the language is so significant, so let's spend some time focusing on the beautiful language that is used. So again, the people are kneeling, and the priest is standing behind the altar, facing the people with arms outstretched in the Oran's position, palms up as he lifts the prayers of the people to God. So the prayer starts like the other two. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. This is so beautiful, once again recognizing the holiness and majesty of God. It recognizes that all that you have created rightly gives you praise. All of creation blesses God. The sun when it rises blesses God. The moon when it rises blesses God. The oceans as they crash bless God. The plants as they sway and produce their fruits bless God. What's most important that we, God's children, are to bless God too. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, shows this unity of Father, Son, and Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. So the only way things are holy is because God blesses them. So it is God who is infinitely holy, the source of all holiness, and he gives his holiness to us. So we are not equal, we'll never be equal to God. And yet... By giving us life and holiness, we celebrate his wondrous deeds. And then it says, From the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. This means that at all times throughout the day, God is to be praised. And that's the beauty of different time zones and countries throughout the world, that Mass is perpetually offered because of the different times, so God is always glorified at Mass, and then in the liturgy of the hours that the people pray. So here we are giving praise to God and recognizing that he should receive the homage that is his due. Here is where, once again, the priest's hands change and his palms are to now face down upon the gifts of bread and wine. What's that term called again? That's right, apoclesis, coming down of the Holy Spirit. He says, Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Holy Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration. 
So this idea, again, of asking the Holy Spirit to come upon them. By the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration. So it's this dependency on God and that God is doing what he is doing, not us. It is only because of God. That they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. Once again here, the priest takes his right hand and makes the sign of the cross over the gifts, blessing them. And here in Eucharistic Prayer 3, it's very clear that at whose command we celebrate these mysteries, recognizing that it is Jesus who has asked us to do this. Then the priest, like in the other two prayers, reaches down to pick up the host. He says these beautiful words, For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, This gives us a historical context when the first Mass began, when Jesus gave this. So on the night of his betrayal is, of course, Holy Thursday. And so the betrayal is significant because this is where Jesus brought about the sacrifice, suffering, death, and resurrection, which we call the Paschal Mystery. And just like in the other two Eucharistic prayers, we hear the beautiful words of Jesus in sacred scripture. Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. The priest then raises, now consecrated host, the bells are rung, and the people make homage to God and reverence him. The priest may say the words aloud or under his breath, my Lord and my God, the words of St. Thomas. And again, you are encouraged to do the same as you reverence Jesus in Holy Communion. Then the priest takes Jesus and places him carefully back on the paten or the plate that we see that is on the altar that the priest uses. And then he genuflects. As he genuflects, you are encouraged to bow your head and continue to give your silent homage to Jesus. The priest then continues in a similar way. When supper was ended, he took the chalice and giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples saying, So again, signifying that the Last Supper had ended, he takes the cup, says the blessing, and then distributes it to his disciples. Same words as before in the other Eucharistic prayers, again taken from sacred scripture. Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. He then lifts the chalice now with the consecrated blood of Jesus inside. He says audibly or inaudibly, my Lord and my God or my Jesus mercy. I encourage you to do the same. And as you gaze upon Jesus, be thankful for the Eucharist. Or if you feel, you may bow your head in humble adoration of the Lord. Then the priest genuflects. After his genuflection, just as in the other two Eucharistic prayers, he says, The mystery of faith. And we respond in one of three ways. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Or, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Or, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection, You have set us free.
So depending on the time of year, that profession of faith is proclaimed. And then the priest continues, which again, this is a little bit different wording in Eucharistic Prayer 3. With arms extended once again in the Oran's position, palms facing up, the priest says, Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. So in this first stanza, so beautiful, as we are reminded of the memorial of the saving passion of Jesus, his resurrection and ascension into heaven, this also expresses our hope in Jesus' second coming. We look forward to his second coming, the prayer says. And until that happens, we continue to do as Jesus has asked, to offer in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. That's also very important for us to understand and identify. It's not the dead body of Jesus that we are consuming. It is the living presence of Jesus that we consume. It's the resurrected body of Christ, not the body just laid in the tomb, the glory of God in the Eucharist. The second stanza starts like this. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. So this is so beautiful because it suggests that Jesus' willingness to sacrifice himself on the cross allows us to be reconciled to God. So it has purpose. It has meaning. It brings us salvation. But it shows that God wanted this to happen and willed it to happen and participated in it happening. The prayer goes on, Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. This idea of being nourished by God. He feeds us. He blesses us. He fills us with his grace and mercy. So being nourished by the body and blood of Jesus. Think about how often you are allowed to satisfy your hunger with a particular food, especially something that you enjoy most. Maybe a beautiful steak on the barbecue, or perhaps rice, or pasta, or cabbage rolls, or whatever the fact you like to eat, friends. Think of how your hunger is satisfied, and sometimes if we really like the food we're about to eat, we might consume it so much that we are full or stuffed. Right Here, we are called to be nourished by the Lord. It is Christ who feeds us. And he feeds us not with steak or rice or pasta, not bread and wine. He feeds us with his body and blood. The next stanza goes on, May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect. So interesting words here, an eternal offering to you. This offering is an eternal one. It's not just for this hour where heaven and earth are connected. This is an eternal offering so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect. So we want to live forever with those who are already in the presence of God. 
And so here it is so important for us to recognize what we are about to celebrate, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God. So once again, we always start with Mama Mary, with St. Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs. And once again, allowing for the patron of the parish or the diocese to be included, or if it's a saint day, that saint is mentioned. And with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence, we rely for unfailing help. This once again tells us, friends, that we rely on the constant prayers of those in heaven, that their job is to intercede and pray for us so that one day we may be reunited with them. We rely for their unfailing help, the communion of saints, those in heaven, those here on earth, and those in purgatory who await the kingdom. We are closely united. Those in heaven can help those in purgatory and on earth. Here on earth, we help those in purgatory and here on earth. And those in purgatory can also pray for other souls and souls on earth, but they can no longer help themselves. So they rely on the other two groups in the communion of saints to help them. Okay? The Eucharistic prayer continues. May the sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. So here we recognize that it is in the mercy of God that we are made whole. It is in the blood of Christ that we are healed. So by praying the Mass, we want to advance the peace and salvation of the world. So it furthers that along. It helps for the salvation of the world to come into being when God wishes that final day to come. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. So again, it's praying for the universal church. Confirmed in faith and charity with your servant, and we always say the Pope, so currently Francis, our Pope, and blank, our bishop. So the name of your local bishop is inserted there. My diocese says Gerard. Your diocese says his first name. The order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Again, this signifying that we are praying for the universal church and especially its leaders. The next stanza, listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. So here we are praying for the world, but we're also praying for everyone present, signifying that we ask God to be compassionate upon them, for we are sinners in need of God's mercy. We are desiring to praise God and to make amends for the wrong that we have done. It also shows this unity that Jesus had once again desired in his prayer life, that even those who are scattered, scattered by sin, scattered by geography, scattered by a, a rich relationship with the church, they're all remembered in this prayer. Now, if there is a Mass intention for the Mass, which normally always takes place uh, on Sunday and throughout the week, then the priest inserts this stanza, similar to Eucharistic prayer too, but a little bit different. Remember your servant, blank. So that's where the name or the names of those who are being remembered at that Mass are inserted. Whom you have called from this world to yourself. 
signifying that God has called them home from life through death to life after life. Grant that he or she, or they, if it's more than one person, who was united with your son in a death like his, may also be one with him in his resurrection. So again, signifying that a recognition that they have died, but may they also be unified in the resurrection of Jesus. May also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. So here too, we recognize, friends, that it is through Jesus' resurrection that we have life. If Jesus had not risen, we would not have life. So everything goes back to the Paschal mystery. The suffering, dying, and rising of Jesus gives salvation to us. So being transformed in the flesh, to be raised up, this is what we believe as Christians. This is what we believe specifically as Catholics, and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. So this signifies on the last day in which our bodies, which will no longer be decaying and skeletal in nature, that they will be raised up and made after the pattern of Jesus's glorious body. It is in Christ alone our hope is found. And then the prayer goes on to say, To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. So we always pray for all the dead. Father, why do we pray for the dead at every Mass? It's so depressing. We always talk about death, death, death. No, it's not depressing. We have a responsibility. We have a duty and a deep desire to pray for our loved ones who have died We want them to be in the light of Christ forever. So our prayers, which are strongly united in the Mass, this is the greatest gift we can give to them. So we always pray for all who have died. We want everyone to be in heaven. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. When you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. How beautiful. The fullness of God's glory. We don't see just a part. Like here on earth, we just see a part. Because we can't handle all of Jesus' glory. We can't handle the glory of the Holy Spirit. We cannot handle the glory of the Father. And then this idea of wiping away every tear from our eyes. It is in God alone that we are comforted, our sorrow lifted, for he will not leave us among the dead. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those who believe in me will live forever, and I will raise them up on the last day. These are the promises of Jesus, not kumbaya, feel-good stanzas, but truths, truths of our faith. Praise God for that. For seeing you are God as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages and praise you without end. How beautiful. Seeing you are God as you are. Get your eyes ready, friends. The majesty of God is going to blow us away. Whatever you think is the most beautiful thing you've seen. God is infinitely more beautiful than that. Our minds are literally going to be blown away when we see the majesty of God. We shall be like you for all the ages and praise you without end. This idea of eternal praise of God. How beautiful this is. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. So because 
Jesus has come to bestow God's blessing upon us. Indeed, all is good and made whole in the person of Jesus Christ. How beautiful the end of Eucharistic Prayer 3 is. Then, just as in the last two Eucharistic prayers, the priest in the doxology says, Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. And the people say, Amen. So, again, only the priest says those words, but it is everything is through God, with God, in God. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit united in the Trinity, we praise in this Mass. Every single Mass, we give God this praise. And again, the word, Amen. Yes, I believe. And so the people are to say that together, including the priest. Amen. Very, very, very significant. And that ends Eucharistic Prayer 3, friends, which again I suggest is one that you most hear at Sunday liturgy. This also is used on a special days of a feast or another holy day throughout the year. Eucharistic prayer three is a very common one that is used and you see the richness as we have just studied it together. So let us praise God for Eucharistic prayer three, the words, the promises, and the prayer component as we not only thank God for the gift of the Eucharist, but also anticipate his second coming among us. For God's Playbook, friends, I'm Father Rico. God loves you and so do I. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting us using any of our affiliate links in the description below via Budsprout, Ko-Fi, or GoFundMe. Thanks, and God bless.